1: marketing.com. Welcome to how to money. I'm Joel and I am Matt. And today we're talking about treating yourself without breaking the bank.
0: Yeah, you know, on the show here, we can oftentimes break down the different topics we talk about into kind of three different categories, right? It's either about earning more money, it's about investing that money, or it's about spending that money. You know, roughly speaking, I feel like most of the topics we can kind of categorize very broadly speaking might be kind of crude, but either way, that's what we're doing. And this very clearly is one of those spending episodes. We're talking about ways that we can spend less money. Uh, We want to be able to live lives that feel gratifying and satisfying to us without breaking the bank. That's what we're doing today. That's right. But we still want to encourage people at the
1: same time to spend money in ways that matter. And so, yeah, we're going to give kind of our philosophy. We'll be going back and forth between those two. (laughs) Between those two points. And we're going to even kind of create some rules that can help you, I think, um, if you have these What like bumpers in a bowling alley, right? Uh, That's how I think of them. If you kind of put these bumpers up, it means that you're not going to completely have a gutter ball (laughs) and and miss. And I think when we're talking about treating ourselves without spending too much money, we have to have those bumpers up. And so those rules that we're going to get to later on in the show, will kind of help us do that.
0: That's but, right, man. Uh, uh, hey, I wanted to ask you real quick. I, so I thought about this the other day, Kate and I, we went on a recently, I, back in February, we went on a hike. Uh, it was actually a pretty serious hike. There was like snow and ice. And so when we reached the peak, uh, we we definitely had this sense of accomplishment. And I had also uh, packed a beer to enjoy at the at the top there with a the little lunch that we had prepared. Nice. Uh, and that got me thinking, man, is there anything that beats like a mountaintop beer? <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you, because specifically I I know that you like hot tubs uh and oh, so yeah, that's true. What, what do you think is better a hot tub uh, beer, hot tub beer or the mountaintop beer hmm,
1: i think my favorite place to have a beer is on the disc golf course oh yeah that's like if, if i get a, a saturday away and i get to throw the disc for uh like an hour and a half or something like that which happens to be honest like three times a year now um, not very often mm-hmm. not as often as i'd like it is it's one of those things where you can you know walk around the course, have a beer while you're playing this game that you love, while you're walking around in nature. It's pretty great. I think that's my favorite place, but I don't know, man. I don't think I've
0: climbed like an epic mountain, so (laughs) maybe I'll have to do that and try it. Yeah, we didn't climb like Everest or anything like that. In both cases, both are outdoors, which I feel like Amplifies It heightens the experience. But, you know, a lot of like the shower beer or the hot tub beer, when you have like the uh, the contrast of temperatures like that, because (laughs) it was freezing, even though we were pretty hot, you know, by the time we reached the top, uh, it was still cold outside and you have a cold beer. I think sometimes that contrast of temperatures is is oftentimes what makes it really nice. So, so for instance, like a beach beer, like it's hard to beat a beach beer. If you have a really cold beer, you're sitting there on the warm beach, get your toes tucked into that warm sand. I think that's another instance where it kind of gets, punched up a little bit but yeah yeah, i was curious to hear your thoughts on that on on a quick note
1: on while we're talking about beer because everyone who listens to the show uh, listens to the show regularly they know we like beer and they know we drink beer on on the show you know every episode and this one actually today on the show we're drinking one by jackie o's it's called cherry livelihood and this one is actually a a low alcohol beer it's 3.4 percent. a little bit lighter there was this article in the new york times recently about low alcohol beers and how they've kind of they're having their their moment in the sun. And I, I appreciate that because especially when you're doing a physical activity, like one of the quotes in that article was from the head brewer at Brooklyn Brewing. And he said, yeah, I can have a 2% beer and go straight to the gym. And that's the great yeah. thing about these low alcohol beers. It's like, you can just kind of want the taste of a beer,
0: but then you, you want to go on about that, your day. You want that flavor. You don't want to get bogged down. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so that's... Well, I mean, it kind of makes me think about For back a mountaintop to... beer, you don't want a 10% <laughs> beer up there. You, got, you still got to make it back down. Although it was a, a large... Actually, the beer we had was it actually a jack. Accio's beer as well that we picked up locally, Um, but in that case, Kate and I were splitting it. And so single beer that we split, but I was going to say, this is how Rattlers, you know, became uh, a thing because, you know, over in Europe, these bicyclists riding through the Alps and they wanted to quench that thirst while at the same time still having all of their wits about them. And so you mix a little bit of, what is it? Lemonade, a little bit of a Pilsner or grapefruit juice, grapefruit juice, and you create this drink that tastes great, but at the same time, doesn't keep you from doing whatever it is that you need to do. But uh, yeah. That being said, you already introduced the beer, so let's, let's keep moving. <laughs> let's do it. All right. So yeah, we are talking about treating yourself without breaking
1: the bank on today's show. And uh, Matt, I don't know why, but the concept of treating yourself, it kind of made me think about collectibles because sometimes I guess treating yourself- it's, like a, it's a luxury. Yeah. And sometimes it might be amassing a lot of something that you enjoy. I don't think there's anything that I could call myself a collector of. I don't know. Flannel for, shirts. <laughs> <laughs> flannel shirts. For a while, I was a bobblehead collector, so I <laughs> still have a bunch of brace bobbleheads that I'm gonna to give to my my two year old son. Um, and, and maybe local art. Like that's something that I've got, you know, mm-hmm. a handful, number of pieces. And I You're a collector kinda of, sort of maybe consider myself a collector. But while becoming a collector, I think it can be fun, it can be interesting, it can turn into kind of a nice hobby. It can also, there's like a dark side to it, right? It can become an unhealthy obsession. And uh, just a few years back, my 80-year-old neighbor, his name was Benny, he was like the sweetest dude in the world. He he passed away. And I was able to kind of see firsthand how bad hoarding can get. Um, and I didn't realize this. Like I'd gone into his house, you know, we'd had chats and talked over the fence a whole bunch. That's that's the dark side of collecting. Yeah, hoarding. but I hadn't gone down to the basement where right. he, <laughs> where he kept all the other stuff. And some of the other rooms actually where like, things were just piled and just like old stuff, VHS tapes. I mean, it was an immense amount of stuff that were like uh, many of which would be considered oddities. And like, yeah, he was this really sweet guy, but I'm not sure how he could live like that for so long. And in just becoming a collector, well, it can turn into hoarding, right? And in the same way, treating yourself can turn into this like budget ruining thing. Um, You know, we all want to be able to splurge every now and again. It would be quite a meager existence. If uh, we just lived on rice and beans, living in a a studio apartment, especially if it was like we're a family of five like us or a family of six like you guys, just to sock away like 78% of our money for the future. If that was our goal, then, yeah, I think we're missing something. But, you know, you and I, of course, we're suggesting a middle ground in today's episode. We want to offer tips to help you achieve the balance
0: of splurging on meaningful stuff without... Overdoing it at the same time. That's right. Yeah. And the, the reason we're talking about this is because overspending is the main culprit here that we're trying to avoid. Uh, you know, it is true there might be maybe a select few who are saving too much money, but I don't think that's the temptation that most of us are, are often faced with. You know, all of the marketing, all of the advertising forces out there uh, in the ether, they're pushing us to spend more money. You've been groomed to consume, as our, our guest Paco said on Monday some things are, of course, worth spending your money on. We all need that craft beer equivalent that we can splurge on from time to time. And the steady march of capitalism has created more wealth for basically everyone, while providing better goods and services. You know, plenty more options for us to choose from and spend our money on. It's easy to see how just middle class folks today live much better than the aristocracy just 100 years ago. Yeah, take that, 1700s French kings. Seriously. Or not, I mean, not even that long ago, uh, folks didn't have the kind of lives that we have now. But the downside to all of this is how our attention—it's been hijacked, and it often leads to us buying more stuff, most of which we don't actually need. Uh, and so, to go against the grain, to pare back your consumerist tendencies, it requires a healthy combination of discipline and wisdom. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today.
1: That's right. Yeah, and those consumeristic tides and those the, the call of consumerism—it's always at play in our lives, and it's begging us essentially to, to part with our money in order to fulfill momentary desires. The, the same services initiate that desire. And then they offer to sell you the product that's supposed to make you happy. You're scrolling through Instagram and you find yourself wanting something. And guess what? That ad pops up. I see to that serve you. backpack that I need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to serve you that exact thing that you were starting to pine for. And so, yeah, the, the it's a cycle that works well for companies who have great marketing teams. But yeah, it, it doesn't work out so well for you. And since inflation is at a 40-year high right now, basically everything is costing more. And And so, yeah, we're talking about cars, gas, groceries. And so even just your everyday purchases are taking a bigger bite out of your monthly spending than you're used to. And so, yeah, the reality of meaningful inflation is just another reason that we need to talk about how to go about treating ourselves without spending too much, because maybe there's just not as much money in some of our lives right now.
0: Yeah, and debt levels are on the rise again, too, because we were seeing them fall during the pandemic as uh, you know, many of us were cut off from some of the different ways that we like to spend, some of our favorite ways of spending money uh, in government assistance. That actually meant more money was being funneled into savings accounts as well for a lot of folks. And some people, they actually wisely paid down their debt with that extra money. Uh, but that was short lived. Consumer debt is once again on the rise. Credit card debt, it's been rising faster than income. Car debt and student loan balances are near record highs as well. Although you know, because of the payment pause, that number hasn't increased all that rapidly uh, when it comes to student loans. But it's still it's a troubling sign to see folks taking on more consumer debt, and many are doing so because they feel like they deserve to treat themselves. It's time to spend that money. I, th- I think you're right, Matt, and I think especially after a time of forced
1: austerity when we weren't able to spend it, and obviously we've been opening up for months and months now, and people have been getting back to some of their normal lives. I went to see uh, you. You and I both. We went to see a music show recently for That's the first time right. in a couple of years, yeah. and it was delightful, that was, that was a ton of fun. <laughs> uh, but if we had put that on a credit card, it would have been a different story, right? Sure. And and, and by saying that, I don't mean that we're, we love credit cards and spending on a credit card. But if you don't have the money to pay it off. That's what I mean by putting it on a credit yeah, card. Yeah, we're going to talk more about debt here later on. Right. Too. But it's also worth mentioning that it is possible to overcorrect, right, where the spending pendulum comes swinging back at you. Like You'll see the articles where you're hit over the head, and you're told that you should cut all the luxuries and niceties out of your life. And uh, avocado toast and lattes are the, the uh, classic culprits where it's mm-hmm. like, look at you dumb millennials and Gen Z- Zers who spend money on frivolous things that you don't need. Um, and yeah, I think we're all maybe tired of those. Preachy articles and messages telling us something in a way that doesn't help, and and you know the assumption is that if you just stop splurging on those absurd non-essentials, you would of course be a millionaire in a few decades, duh. But that avocado toast is holding you back, <laughs> um, and it is off-putting, right? It tends to to demonize your ability to spend money on things that matter to you, which is half the reason to save money in the first place, right? I mean, lots of folks change the channel or click on follow on Twitter. If they hear that kind of stuff and understandably so it's kind of a a shame tactic that ends up backfiring but there is of course at least a little truth in that messaging however poorly conveyed and that's why we want to discuss what it looks like to handle money in a balanced way that does prioritize your future while also giving you freedom in the here and now to use those dollars in a way that's meaningful to you we'll get to more of our thoughts on that how to actually be an intentional spender and we'll get to that stuff right after this break
0: Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy
1: Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations. Or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers
0: All right, we're back. And, you know, we're talking about ways to you know, do these different fun things without spending too much money. And, uh, you know, self-care, treating yourself, it's common parlance these days. Uh, and oftentimes people are approaching that whole concept with the idea that they deserve it. Um, they, and they got to treat themselves. Yeah. And, you know, like it is a good thing for us to treat ourselves sometimes. Uh, but one of the keys is to make sure that treating yourself doesn't turn into a habit because if it's a habit, then this is a treat that starts to become a routine rather than an actual treat itself, right? And so, for instance, if I were to drink a delicious craft beer every single night, well, it's you know, <laughs> it's going to become old hat pretty quickly. Not to mention, it's probably it may not be best for my health if I were to keep that up. Uh, it wouldn't be this fun treat. It's just something that I always do, uh, maybe right before dinner or after we put the kids down. And so, the act of letting the splurge turn into a regular occurrence it makes me think of the hedonic treadmill, uh, where we would become accustomed to this new luxury. It used to be this thing that was really special, but now it's basically our new standard. It's our it's our new bare minimum. That's when we start to expect it, and if we don't get it, we feel deprived. And so, yeah, when we're talking about treating ourselves, it's important not to overdo it so that the, the treat, uh, the splurge, so that it doesn't get out of hand and lose its impact. You still want it to feel special. Otherwise, you know, what's what's the whole point in, in including all of these niceties, all these luxuries, if you don't even appreciate them anymore? That's right. It's like owning like uh, 15 second homes. <laughs> like, think of that.
1: How special is it to go to your Swiss chalet when you, <laughs> when you have like a beach house and a mountain retreat and a, a ski lodge, like when you have all of these potential places to visit. Um, you probably even forget some of the homes that you own or something like that. I'm, this is obviously an egregious example that none of our li- listeners, um, I, don't, I don't think they have
0: that kind of yeah. wealth. But. Or even like, I mean, like I'm thinking of like steak. I mean, like that's not something our family has very often at all. Like literally, I think I can think of like two times last year that we ate steak in our household. But you know what? When we did, it was incredibly special because it was something that we we splurged it a little extra on. We got the nice meat, and it was delicious. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think but that's, if you're eating that like every single night, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I got to think over time, it kind of just starts t- tasting like like ground beef, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're on the carnivore
1: diet, which apparently some people are. And I don't know much about it, but um, yeah, I guess that's uh, some people have to eat like that. Maybe I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not true. Uh, well, it, yeah, it is important to note that treating yourself. It, doesn't even have to cost money, right? I think sometimes uh, a splurge that costs money is a good thing. It's okay to partake in a treat uh, that costs you money. If it's going to see a movie, if it's going out for ice cream, or even if it's like uh, getting a massage, those are totally fine treats to partake in. But uh, in addition to treats that might cost some money, we would suggest that you look to free treats as well. I mean, I mentioned disc golf, Matt, and that's one of those things where, like I said, I probably get out there three times a year these days, but uh, I should prioritize that more. And that's just a free treat that I can say... Does not uh, cost...
0: Well, you know, whatever beer I guess you want to bring along right? uh, as you're tossing your discs. But yeah, for the courses, at least around here, they don't cost money. There are some, though, that do cost money. Do you know that? I'd like to play on some like of those, like, I'm sure they're much nicer. <laughs> they're, yeah. But even still, I'm sure it's not nearly as high as the cost of an actual golf course that's incredibly expensive. Oh, not even close. Yeah. And then the discs are obviously like much yeah, cheaper so too. Like and what, 20 bucks. Once you have a few, it's
1: like you, you don't have to acquire anymore. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, I think of it as one of those treats that I can enjoy that doesn't cost a dime. And there there are a lot of those out there, right? You can go on a bike ride with a friend. That can be similarly enjoyable and awesome. You could like have a cup of coffee on your front porch. Matt, you're roasting your own coffee these days. I am. It's tasting delicious. Invite your friend. Like, what an experience to be like, listen, I hand roasted this coffee. Yeah. Come <laughs> enjoy it with me. And they're going to be totally in for that combo. It's the Altmix house Blend. <laughs> is what I call it now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can bag it up and you know triple the price and sell Ooh. it to your neighbors too. Uh, so that can be a side hustle at the same time. But yeah, you, you might not always have or want to spend money to treat yourself to one of those nicer things in life like a massage. But the free treats are eminently more doable. You can do them more frequently without breaking the bank. And so it's worth making a list of those things that you value in your life. Like, like your family, you guys go on hikes frequently and that is a treat in some respects because yeah. you have to uh, forego doing other things and you have to forego working more <laughs> to, to earn more money. And uh, but you prioritize that because it's it provides
0: a lot of meaning and totally. joy. Yeah, and it doesn't cost money. I mean, and even there there are things that are oftentimes free. Occasionally, like like I'm thinking about the high. It's like our you know the big fancy art museum here in Atlanta. But the second Sunday of every single month, it's free. Yeah. And like you could do that every single month and enjoy a different exhibit Like and go to the high 12 times this year. If that was something that you prioritized uh, without spending a single dime and granted, like we're not going to spend the rest of this episode going through the different free things that you can do. But we want, wanted to mention this because it's just important to approach how it is that we spend money. By reminding ourselves that we don't always have to spend money in order to, you know, treat ourselves. Yeah, we've talked a good bit about beer during this episode, but like, you know, the question we ask every guest who comes on the show for on our uh, interview episodes is, "What is your craft beer equivalent?" We're trying to figure out what it is that they are willing to splurge on because it kind of gives us a little peek into what they find enjoyment in, yeah. obviously, right? The kind of person they are. Yeah. And and so when you actually do spend some money on a treat, we want you to be really picky with the items in the different areas where you are choosing to spend. We want you to find the thing that you absolutely love. Uh, you want to pick these activities or these experiences these purchases that register as like an eleven on your your pleasureometer <laughs> pleasure <laughs> no i like that pleasureometer <laughs> i was thinking about pleasure pleasureometer pleasure meter Ple- yeah pleasureometer <laughs> uh, so for instance if you absolutely hate Cleaning, uh, but you can't justify paying someone to clean your house on a regular basis. Maybe then that means using your treat to splurge for some house help. Uh, that could be the perfect fit for you. And of course, this is going to vary widely, of course, depending on who you are, where you are in life, what you've got going on. But we want you to consider making a list of some different celebratory items that move the needle for you, so that you're able to treat yourself in a way that maximizes the uh, the dollar to pleasure ratio, where it does register as an eleven. One other thing I wanted to mention, though, too, is. It can be difficult for someone like me, I think, to identify some of these different things outside of the bounds of what I normally do, right? Because the way I handle my money, oftentimes, like I've got the system, I've got this process in which like I receive my income, it runs through the machine that is my personal finance system. I kind of like run the crank on it and I automatically know how much I'm you know investing, how much I'm gonna save, how much I'm gonna spend. Spits out a similar results month after month. Exactly. And so and what that means though is that if more money comes in, well, I don't necessarily see an increase on some of the different spurges, you know, in my life. And and on one hand, I think that's a good thing because it means that we're able to, you know, save and invest more. But on the other hand, I think sometimes it might be detrimental because it kind of removes like I realize sometimes that insulates me, it removes me from the decision making of, okay, what am I gonna do with, say, some extra money that we make? This year, that kind of thing. And so I found that it's helpful to sometimes put myself in these like weird scenarios where I have to think, okay, like imagine I'm receiving money today that if I don't spend it today, it just like evaporates, it disappears, <laughs> like right? boosters millions. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, seriously. Or like, oh, like okay, if I'm gonna do a job for somebody, and instead of getting paid, if instead I had to imagine bartering with that person, what would I want you know them to give me? It puts things in a different light. Whereas normally if you're just like thinking through, okay, how much money am I going to receive? And that money just kind of goes through the machine. I think it can be helpful to step outside of that framework uh, when it comes to trying to identify some of these different things that you want to splurge on. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I think that's where creating
1: a list can be so helpful because it's so easy to, like you said, like do the same thing. Kind of like Groundhog Day, you wake up and like yep. the same thing happens, but you don't realize over time, or, or maybe you're, you're so frugal or so intent on building financial independence for you and your family that... You leave out these other beautiful, fun experiences that you could achieve along the way, and you you've written off not not even on purpose, but just with even without intending to these yeah. awesome things that you could buy, you could participate in, you could take that family trip to Europe, or even just to visit your in-laws in Tucson, Arizona, or whatever it is. Um, but but you have you have <laughs> mentally taken it off the table because you prioritize these other things. I yep. think um, creating a list so that you can practice joyful spending is is like one of those things that you you, you should. Really do, and if you're you're married, if you have a partner, if you have kids, these are things lists that you can create together. And, and if you're flying solo, same thing. Create a list for yourself. Like, what are these things where, if more money came into my life, I would participate in? I think that's like a really helpful
0: exercise. Yeah, totally. And all that to say, I think there's some benefit, obviously, in having structure and a format to what you do with your money. Uh, but like all things in life, like we're talking about today, there's a balance to strike when it comes to being. Overly rigid and structured, and you know strict to being completely free spirited and free willing, and kind of letting your emotions decide where your money goes. But yeah, totally having that list and identifying a few categories that are yeah worthwhile splurge territory for you that can help make spending those dollars less guilt inducing as well. Because you know I think not only should that item or experience bring you a ton of joy, but I'd venture to even say that. You love it so much that you even find joy in the act of spending money on that item, and so like I'm I'm talking like not about the enjoyment that you get out of that item, but even in the act of being separated with your money for that thing, <laughs> like it's almost like a uh, like a Pavlovian response that kicks in because you associate that spending with the enjoyment that is yet to come, that's, that's about to be delivered to you. That's <laughs> really hard
1: for hardcore frugalites who yeah. like, to their core that's who they are to to think that not only could I enjoy the item that I'm purchasing, but I can enjoy the act of spending the money. That's like there's a a disconnect. (laughs) It's hard to make up. It's it's like a
0: muscle. I think
1: it takes practice.
0: And we definitely don't want you to feel guilty for treating yourself. But even more, we want you to kind of almost get like a healthy high from the experience of aligning dollars that are well spent with your personal values.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. I think as a reformed, ridiculously frugal person, like that is a hard thing for me to completely get down in like my
0: inmost being. But I think what you're touching on Especially here... Especially like like <laughs> the, the larger you spend. Because like on small yes, things, I, don't, like, I feel like it can be easier because just like, whatever, it's just a couple bucks. But when it comes to like a couple hundred bucks, you know, that's when I think you can really... Push up against how you've been raised, or just the different ways that you've trained yourself over the years to get where you are today. Completely, completely,
1: and yeah, what you're talking about here is mindset. And 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 one of the big things. There was a big thing, um, specifically our home renovation. It was it was not inexpensive, and it was one of those things where I had a hard time kind of coming to grips with it, and I didn't realize how hard of a time I was having until we actually signed the contract, and then I was like. What have I done? Like this is the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. (laughs) Sweating bullets a little bit, (laughs) exactly. And and so it was this big deal. um, But at the same time, we were actually Matt. We were preparing to interview Ken Honda, and that was episode three eighty five. And that came at a really important time for me because, like I said, I was kind of freaking out. Mm -hmm. And reading Ken Honda's book uh, about money and happiness, it just it just gave me like this new perspective, a new mindset on spending that money, which I think many of us need to adopt. Yeah, I was having those negative emotions and I realized what Ken was saying was I can either enjoy spending those dollars or I can feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And it was going to completely change my perception of the process and potentially even of the, the end results. And so I could continue to have this emotional conniption <laughs> about signing <laughs> these many dollars away for the future of this house, or I could just kind of get Zen with it. And so, yeah, I mean, his advice just helped me in a big way throughout the rest of the process. It made it more enjoyable. It made me it made me more comfortable doing what we're doing because we, we had safe, we had planned. The improvements we were making to our house weren't ridiculous. They weren't, we, you know, we didn't get any gold-plated toilets. We didn't go you know yeah. above and beyond. Like we, we were trying to create the house that our our family can be in for the next 20 to 30 years. And now we're back in the house and it's awesome. Like yeah. it feels so worth it. But
0: yeah. And, well, the thing is, too, like you could have gotten gold plated toilets if you wanted to, if you had the money saved up and yeah. you had, had identified that that's something that was important to you. Obviously, it's <laughs> not. That's I don't think people are listening to us because they, you know, because we're living that bling life or anything like that. But even no, I s- got the number
1: one consumer <laughs> reports recommended toilet.
0: So I guess what I'm pointing out is that it could even be something that is a little more ridiculous as long as it aligns with your values. If it's something that's splurge worthy and if you've saved up for it. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about the mechanics of what it means to save up for these different splurges yeah, later
1: on. But I think it is important to note that that your mindset, how you go into yeah. making that purchase, it, you can kind of actually manufacture a mindset that says, you know what? Not only am I thankful that I have these dollars to spend on this item that is meaningful to me, but I am going to be enthusiastic while I'm making the purchase, while the dollars are flowing out of my account. And I think that is something worth striving for. And it, you know depending on your relationship with money, it can be easier said than done. I realize that because it's been hard for me in the past, but I think it's like a worthwhile mental ascent to try to kind of make.
0: Totally. Yeah. I think it's easier too to do this with individuals. Like when you are paying an individual person to do a service for you, I think it's easier to identify how it is that you are supporting that person basically, right? As opposed to like with this, if it's just like a general business, it can be harder to identify the fact that you are doing something that is providing a good, uh, but it doesn't mean it's any less true, right? Like, like you were talking about like avocado toast or lattes, like you can go to your local coffee shop, and you can be like, uh, got to spend five bucks or you don't have to. You're choosing to. <laughs> First of all, it's not nobody's making you buy that coffee, but you can approach it and say, oh, I'm going to spend five bucks on this coffee. Or you can see that as money that at some point, eventually that money that, you know, there's money there that goes to the farmer who's growing those beans. It goes to the coffee shop who is providing a comfortable atmosphere for you to hang out in. It's going to the barista who's making your, you know, your drink, whatever. Uh, that and they're making ordered. it better
1: than you can make it at home. Probably. Yeah, probably Which so. is great. So enjoy that.
0: And so it's, it, yeah, it's just this, this like you said, a mindset shift that goes, that turns from the negative to what it is that you're losing to the positive, not only in what you're gaining, what you're exchanging for your money, but just in the, the, the positive effect that it's having on those who are supporting. Uh, and providing that product for you. Yeah, and there are so many things in our life that we can either do begrudgingly and hate it <laughs> or
1: we can change our mindset and be like, you know what, that wasn't all that bad. Or you can even find pleasure in some of those like routine things that you maybe used to dread. And I think of it, you know, just picking up around the house with my kids. There's a way for me to be like, not that so great dad and just be like, clean up your stuff. Or there's a way for me to help them make it a game. And we all have a better time doing it.
0: Um, But so much of that is really just mindset. It's not the physical activity that we're participating in. Yeah, it's amazing how those small, subtle mindset shifts can, can have a massive impact on our perceptions. But at the same time, It's also interesting to see how we as humans can take something that's good and turn it into something that could be kind of toxic pretty quickly, pretty easily. Uh, And I'm specifically thinking about shopping because this is something that's important to not take too far. Where, you know, just the shopping alone gives you that rush. Because, you know, shopping as a hobby, it can satisfy this primal urge. Like it's literally like what hunting was for our ancestors, uh, which, (laughs) of course, like that was a necessary skill back then. And finding a good deal, it's a helpful skill these days as well. But there's a big difference between the practical necessity of saving money by being a good shopper in uh, our propensity to overconsume, which can lead to just budget busting wastefulness. And so that's why we put together some rules for treating yourself without breaking the bank. If you adhere to these rules, you are less likely to go overboard. And we'll get to all of that right after this break.
2: Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super-serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best-fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories, Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. And now a
1: word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Part of the uh, reason, or part of the inspiration for this episode, comes from the TV show Parks and Rec. Oh, that's right. Which is a we've talked
0: about it before. Classic but NBC. Not comedy. during,
1: yeah, not during this episode. <laughs> no, and uh, yeah, I think the the character character names who um, participated in Treat Yourself Day were <laughs> Tom and Donetta. Tom Haverford, of course, played by Aziz. Uh, Aziz Ansari. Oh yeah, and it's it's definitely like one of the best recurring elements of that show and uh, and, and yeah it, basically they both have this treat yourself day every year it gets epic and you know there's <laughs> fancy clothes involved they talk about like buying diamonds fancy, uh, great experiences uh, and they're hilariously the whole time just saying treat yourself and it's
0: it's just really really funny treat yourself. <laughs> Anytime I see a Roomba now, like when I go into somebody's house, I'm always like, DJ Roomba in the house. I know. It's like, I want to <laughs> put a speaker on top of that Roomba <laughs>
1: just to create a better vibe. Uh, but yeah, it, of course, it gets out of hand because it's this comedy TV show because uh, most of us for our uh, our treats that we're partaking in, we're not running limousines. We're not probably drinking expensive champagne. <laughs> we're not shopping on Rodeo Drive and getting like the finest uh, cashmere sweaters. But it's important to hey, have... I got a cashmere sweater this past winter. I know. You treated yourself. <laughs> that's, that's
0: <laughs> Really nice. I got it on sale <laughs> as a Christmas gift. Right. Well, it, it,
1: it, it's important. It's, and you know, nothing against cashmere, but it is important to establish some rules for treating ourselves. So let's lay those out, Matt, because yeah, tr- treating yourself is crucial, but we don't want it to get out of control. And so, yeah, we want a few rules that can be effective, but not
0: excessive when it comes to to treating ourselves. So, yeah, That's you right. want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. So, the first question uh, I think that we want folks to ask themselves, first of all, is do you have the cash on hand? Because, you know, there's a time and place for that treat, for that splurge. Uh, And if it means going to debt for that splurge, then the answer is, well, now is not the time. We are not cool with you paying loads of interest in order to get something now that you can't actually afford now. Even though businesses today, they actually make it really easy with the uh, buy now, pay later uh, programs existing on literally like every website where you shop. True. Um, Instead, we want you to look to, to treats that not only align with your interests, you know, Obviously, they're things that you want to spend money on, but they need to align with your checking account as well. They need to align with how much money you have on hand. And so maybe you wanted to take that trip to Aruba. But instead, you should be considering maybe uh, like that $5 matinee movie ticket. <laughs> Although that seems kind of cheap. Like... Can you get any movie ticket now for five dollars? Of course, yes, really?
1: dude. No, there is still a movie theater. Okay. Granted, it's in the burbs. It's not close to where we are. <laughs> but it, it, ha- yeah, you can go see a movie for like a dollar fifty. I think on some no, days. No, you can't. I, it's
0: it, uh, maybe inflation. is two bucks. <laughs> I don't know. But last time I checked, it was a dollar fifty. I, I was gonna say even five dollars seems like too little money. Uh, we're not living in you know. 2015. Joel.
1: No, but there are some places where I think
0: you can see a matinee movie for five, six, seven bucks. But, but I, what we're saying though is like there are different treats that you can afford uh, that you can actually afford instead of the things that you want to do that are gonna you know cause you to go into debt because you know we're not ideologically opposed to debts, but going into debt to fund your lifestyle. Right to finance stuff that only depreciates in value, that is not something that we can get behind. That's true, and you know, you and I were totally cool with getting a mortgage on a house because that
1: purchase, that home, will likely appreciate in value over time. It's quite literally an investment, and you know, we view student loans and business loans in a similar light too. Where, yeah, you still want to borrow only reasonable amounts, but this can be a good rule of thumb as you're considering taking on debt, like. Is the debt I'm taking on going to actually further me in my financial life over time? And so, yeah, while we're on or that- Or
0: is it just consumption? Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: Is it purely consumption-based? Is it just recurring credit card debt because I can't stop myself from spending on the things I want? Or am I taking out a personal loan in order to take a trip that I can't actually afford? That's a different scenario. And so, yeah, while we're on this topic, you know, what if you're already in some consumer debt? Are you allowed to right. treat yourself? That's a good question. And we would say- yes we think it's totally okay to have a small reward as you make progress in paying that debt off we think that's actually um, a helpful carrot to dangle in front of yourself as you do continue to pay that debt down but we'd say don't overdo it to the detriment of the progress that you're making, because you can pair those rewards to specific milestones as you're digging yourself
0: out of debt. But uh, yeah, we would yeah, say like little su- little mini prizes along the way before you you like reach that big prize, like a two dollar <laughs> movie, right? If you, <laughs> if that actually exists where you live still, or, or maybe it's five dollars.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, either way, <laughs> right? But yeah, saving for those bigger treats as a reward once you've made more substantial progress is what we would encourage, because yeah, you don't want to like go back into debt once you've made some progress to finance a bigger treat that you can't actually afford.
0: Yeah, it's important to remember that there are consequences when we don't treat ourselves. If you don't allow yourself an outlet to enjoy treats that you enjoy, it's going to become so much easier to burn out in pursuit of these financial goals. Those little treats can provide some of that much needed rest, some of that motivation to continue climbing. Uh, oftentimes, I think it can kind of just feel like, like you're wasting money. Uh, you're just kind of throw, throwing away money here in the ephemeral you know, nature of now, <laughs> of the present. But at the same time, realize that that can have a substantial positive impact on your ability to, to kind of stick with it. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think, you know, something as small as like a $10 bowl of delicious ramen at a local restaurant can, can be that release that says like, man, you know what? I am you know, working towards my goals and I am making progress. And you know what? Th- this is a great way to experience that. And sometimes that $10 bowl of ramen can prevent you from that $200 like uh, shopping spree on your favorite clothing website. So yeah, I agree, Matt. I think it, a, a treat, it, it can be, If done properly, this healthy outlet that we actually need and that actually helps us to continue uh, going down the right path.
0: Yeah, it's that pressure relief valve that keeps us from completely exploding. (laughs) And so, another rule or a recommendation in this case is to cut back on the things that you can live without. Here on the show, we love talking about just some of the different ways that you can save on recurring bills. And so, for instance, as long as your cell phone works, as long as it has enough data, do you really care what network you're actually on? Because if you can save 50 bucks or more each month, uh, that's going to mean more money that is available to spend on the things that you love. There are dozens of different ways to cut back on your monthly expenses. And I I know that it can sound like this onerous task, uh, and it will until you realize that you're doing it so that you can funnel your dollars into categories that matter a whole whole lot more to you. It's sort of this way of reclaiming those dollars that are being spent in more wasteful ways and ways that you don't appreciate. And I love too that like at the end of the month, if you were to kind of stick with this approach, you're going to have the same amount of money uh, in your savings account or in your checking account. Although you're going to have Experienced life very differently in those past 30 days if you're able to trim in some areas where you don't see the benefit and then funnel that money and channel it to you know into these different categories uh, that you do appreciate yeah i agree man i think
1: that's that's the exact number one reason why you should be shopping some of those recurring bills around and you should be finding ways to save on the things that feel insignificant uh, you know something even like your internet service like do you need gig speed internet Maybe you do. Maybe you work at home and maybe that's like a really nice thing to have. But could you cut that down to like 300 megs and save 40 bucks a month? And that sounds like, oh man, that's a big pain in the butt to actually do that. But that's almost 500 bucks a year back in your life for slightly slower internet speeds. 300... Megabits per second. Like that's really fast. It does the job. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the kind of thing where you can purposely bump back in a bunch of areas of your life. And it sounds like an annoying task on your to-do list until you realize, wait a second, how much money does that mean for me? And what can I do with that money instead? And I think that's kind of like the exciting, fun, fun way to, to approach it.
0: Yeah. Translate that into whatever it is that you want to spend money on, like going out to eat, putting that towards like getting a nice haircut or, you know, getting some color done. I say that because Kate, <laughs> <laughs> Kate just spent some money on uh, so like a cut in color, and she dropped a decent amount of money on yeah. it. And awesome. she appreciates it. It's something that she values, but find ways to reframe how it is that you're looking to pare back in some of these areas by reminding yourself of the positives. Yeah. It's like, there's
1: probably money there. It's just being misallocated and, yep. and you can reallocate it. And I think another rule for mindful spending so we can treat ourselves without breaking the bank is to plan ahead you know, because spontaneous treats are are awesome. But here's the thing, you can still plan ahead for spontaneity. And that sounds weird, especially for someone of like my personality type who thrives on spontaneity. Um, it, it sounds like this odd concept to plan ahead for that. But we're really just talking about having money set aside for, let's say, a random happy hour with friends or for a plane ticket to a fun destination when it does go on sale. Mm-hmm. Because if you haven't planned to spend that money ahead of time, then it makes pulling the trigger really difficult. You're like, well, I wanna accomplish the financial goals that I've set for myself. And I don't actually have the money allocated for this purpose but I want to take advantage of the deal. And I found myself in that predicament before, Matt. And it's a tough position to be in for someone who does like to take advantage of a deal or who loves spontaneous adventure. But the key is just to, to plan ahead. And that just really means saving ahead. That means uh, planning your finances accordingly, setting aside enough money so that in the moment when something awesome comes up on your radar and you weren't necessarily even planning on it, at least you kind of were planning on it by setting aside your money. Your money is actually there to be
0: able to pull the trigger on that treat that you actually want to partake in that's right yeah you, you got money set aside in savings categories or money buckets like whatever system you subscribe to um, but I mean basically it's just being an adult you know like like when you're a kid you do what you want when you want it and you like you want to do it now <laughs> but when, when you're an adult you like you got to have a plan uh, and it makes me it makes me think about uh, football like I don't really watch much football but I know that every down the offense they go out there and they have a plan like they have a play that they're going to run if they were just to go out there and wing it Dude, they would get destroyed. Like I know that much. Like I know that they would get crushed. Uh, and so, in the same way, we need to. Like you eat. just want to do that flea flicker now? Uh, we haven't even really practiced it, but uh, I like... mean, can you imagine? Like it, you would literally. I mean, you would just get completely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and I think we need to do the same thing when it comes to our money. It's not necessarily that there's somebody, you know, across the line of scrimmage staring directly at us that's looking to take us down, but to a certain extent, like that's what marketers, advertisers, companies. That's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying. They're dangling their products in front of you, and they want to take your money, and they want to give you whatever it is that they have to offer. Uh, and so we need to have a plan when it comes to the money that we do want to spend. And one of the ways uh, we can combat some of that temptation you know, in the day-to-day is by playing the waiting game, because impulse buys can be a, a serious downfall for a lot of us. Uh, It's easy to chalk up a purchase, you know, to treating yourself uh, like you, you tell yourself, I deserve this new jacket, or like, I haven't traveled in ages. It's time to make up for lost time. It's easy to get in that Black Friday mentality when it comes to buying something nice for ourselves. And this is, again, something we touched on with Paco for just a little bit on Monday's episode. But she talked about how there's this release just by adding an item to a shopping list instead of to your shopping cart. We all know that making a purchase, it feels so good in the moment, but how often do we actually regret that purchase after, you know, all is said and done. And so if you can get a similar sense of satisfaction without spending money, I think that's a smart tactic to use. Find different ways to sort of hack your mind, hack some of the different feelings that you achieve by identifying something. Because oftentimes the thrill, it is in the chase, right? And yeah. so it's it's when you discover something and you think, oh man, that thing is awesome. I did this recently with a watch that I came across and it's an open tab on my browser. I didn't add it to the cart, I haven't made the purchase. It's not on some buy now, pay later plan. You're mulling it over. I'm mulling. It's just sitting there because I'm going to think about, like, how much do I actually care about this? And if I forget that tab is even open after a couple days, I'm be like, okay, cool. It's cool that there's a black Timex that's solar powered. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's totally dope looking. You're not even wearing a watch right now. I know. I don't. Yeah. You rarely wear them. I, I used to. So the, don't buy it. The one, <laughs> the one that I have, the band broke on it. And oh, so that's okay, why. Right. So maybe I, instead I should actually just get a new band. But I was really drawn to the fact that it had like a a solar powered face. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I'd never have to replace a battery ever again. <laughs> no, <laughs> I get that. I get that. We are faced with the same temptations. And so finding some of the different strategies or ways to tap into that feeling that you get when it comes to finding something without immediately making that purchase is, yeah. is what we're saying here. Totally.
1: Totally. I agree. And and I think that planning ahead plus the waiting game, like that makes a whole lot of sense. Like even if you do have the money on hand, like, does it make sense to pounce right now or should you give it 24, 48 hours before you follow through? Like even when you're treating yourself, you want to make sure it's decently well thought through and not just an opportunistic like move of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one last thing worth considering is like we just have like this abundance of data uh, about how we feel when we serve other people and when, you know, how that actually increases our our happiness levels. You know, t- treating yourself is a good thing when done in moderation. And I think, you know, you don't want to uh, practice austerity to the point where you don't get to enjoy any of the fruits of your labors, where the money you're bringing in doesn't result in your ability to do things that you love. But, at the same time taking the focus off ourselves finding ways to take care of others is it's a crucial step towards a well-rounded life and so if we're continually focused on that next reward for ourselves that next trip we can take um, that next watch we can buy whatever it is like and i'm not i'm not Casting aspersions, man. I'm not saying that, that you're overly focused on the watch. I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. That, yeah. And because I've done the same thing, where I'm I'm so I've been so focused on consuming, on buying oh, totally. something, where yep. I've like lost the plot. Of what life is actually about, mm-hmm. and that's why you know we you and I we encourage uh, f- for our own hearts and for the way we we think about and relate to money. Giving money away is so important, and we we want to encourage how to money listeners to to think about giving away money. Similarly, we think it creates that healthy detachment. Mm -hmm. Which reminds us that life isn't about acquiring more stuff, better experiences, because there is so much more at stake. Um, There is so much more involved with living a beautiful, meaningful life. And so treats are good. Treating yourself without breaking breaking the bank is crucial, but at the same time, uh, one way to be fulfilled without even having to buy anything, is to use your resources and your time and your gifts to serve other
0: people around you. Totally, man. Yeah, I think that's such an easy trap to fall into. Uh, And it can be this downward spiral as well, because we quickly find that whatever thing that we purchased, it doesn't necessarily satisfy us, right? Like it doesn't fulfill that deeper longing that we might have, which then what? What does that lead us to do? It leads us to potentially buy even more things and thus the downward spiral. Uh, It's important, I think, to kind of zoom, zoom out and to step back from not only purchases, but like life in general and just to kind of see just how good we have it, you know, like we talked earlier on in the episode at the top, how like we just are living such a better life basically than like even Kings did 100 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Like it makes me think about this talk. Warren Buffett was given to some college students where he was talking about how like the life that we live live now is it's just amazing. Like we're able to stay warm in the winter. We stay cool during the summer. You're able to watch the World Series on TV. Uh, there are so many things in our lives that we just take for granted that Rockefeller uh, at the turn of the 1900s. Like, these are things that he couldn't have even dreamed of that we take for granted every single day. Yep. Like, I'm, I think Warren said that, like, my neighbors live better and had better lives than what Rockefeller, even though he had tons of fame, tons of power uh, and riches, there are things that we have in our lives now that are amazing that we take for granted every single day. And when we realize that and are able to step back a little bit, I think that can allow us to be more generous, which I think in the end will allow us to be happier. Yeah. Gives us the right
1: perspective as we're also seeking to like use our money to maximize the good we can do and maximize the happiness in our our own lives. So totally a good point. All right. Well, uh, Matt, let's move back on to the beer, the the treat that we had. On this episode, that is one of our favorite. As, treats. as we
0: end of the episode talking about how you shouldn't treat yourself, uh, let's take it back to how we treat ourselves on our Monday and Wednesday. Well, we episodes. sure do because,
1: like, we truly do believe that, that. Like, while you're handling your money well, you should be able to enjoy your money and what it can buy you along the way too. Craft beer is one of those major things that Matt and I put a put an emphasis on in our own lives and on the show. And this beer was by Jackie O's. It's called Cherry Livelihood, is a saison style ale with, of course, cherries. And uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this one, man?
0: Yeah. Well, first thing I noticed is uh, we poured it, and it uh, it poured kind of like a light rose, almost like a mauve kind of color. Um, looks and you, looks like you're having all these synonyms for pink. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a light, earthy pink. And the first thing I noticed, too, when I sipped it was that this is definitely a lighter beer. And so it, for whatever reason, it made me think of like a petite rosé. Uh, like we have a wine and it's just kind of like a uh, just a, a lighter, more easier to drink version of what it's named after. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this so this is a, a cherry barrel-aged sour. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I love... Beers
1: with cherries in them, in particular. Cherries, mm-hmm. raspberries, are like my two favorite, two favorite fruits and beers. I think
0: for me, it's blueberries. Blueberries, yeah. Like the more barrel-aged blueberry sours I have, I'm just like, oh, I think, I think that's it for me. <laughs> yeah, well, f- uh, I mean, fruited so beers,
1: man. Like, if, if well made, are like the best in my, in my opinion. Like, that's the like serve me those all day, every day, especially when it's 3%, you're like, all right, I can have a couple of those even. Totally. But yeah, this, this beer, I mean, and I love pretty much everything that Jackie O's. They crush. Makes. And yeah, this, so this is like this, this lighter Saison with like this cherry fruit punch kind of thing going on. And it was like refined and beautiful and like a little rustic. And so, yeah, I, d- I don't know, man. I really, really enjoyed this one. Any chance I get a Jackie O's beer, In my mouth, I'm taking it.
0: Yeah. I figured you might like this one a little bit more than me because it was a little bit tarter than I think how I normally like my sours. I like my sours with a little bit more sweetness, uh, a touch more, maybe a touch more acidity as well. Whereas this one was like, I guess it had the acidity. It just didn't have the sweetness, right? And so it was just, it was just kind of mouth puckering. It felt like a lemonade where you're like, oh... I can tell they use real lemons here. Like this isn't <laughs> this isn't some pre-made concentrate where it's just loaded with sugar. Uh, it kind of had that tart edge to it. But even still, I definitely still enjoyed it. No doubt. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode.
1: We'll have show notes up on our website. You can find those at howtomoney.com. That's right. And that's going to be it, Joel.
0: So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.